What up, what up, what up, friends? And welcome to the Ball and Buds Podcast. I am your host, Omar Fonseca. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back, my family. Yes, another episode number 28. 28, we're two from 30. Man, if we keep doing this, we might hit 100 one day. No, we will, don't worry. Just keep supporting your boy. And so, yes, we have an awesome episode today. I am so glad you all have joined us. You are in for a treat. We have our Combat Sports Insider Clubber D, the Combat G, coming to us live. Say what? Live from Vegas for the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder trilogy fight. We will also have a secondary review from him when he gets back to his lair from Vegas. Then we have a special interview with our Major League Baseball insider, Mike Wiebe, who will help us break down the 2021 season and we will also break down the playoffs and the World Series. And if you stay for the whole episode, you have a treat at the end because there will be a clapback from Clubber D to Weeby. Yes, they do happen to know each other just a tiny bit. <laughs> so get ready for that. And so I'm really excited about the Mike Weeby conversation because we've had more delays than a Ghostface album is what I said. We've been trying to get this podcast recorded for like three or four months. <laughs> we said we were going to do this at the All-Star break in July. I mean, timing worked out anyways because it was supposed to be a breakdown of the season in the playoffs. We were planning on doing it end of July, August. It worked out anyways, but he said it was delayed more than a Kanye album. I said, go straight, whatever. It was, it was some delays involved in this process. So I hope you enjoy the labor of love that me and Mike put into making this episode happen for y'all. <laughs> Thank y'all for showing up and spreading that love, family. Thank you. We love y'all. And so, yeah, before I get you to Clubber D's review about the Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder fight, which you're not going to want to miss live from Vegas, we will get his review. And then we have a follow-up review when he returned back to his lair. So you will hear all of that. But before I get you to that, and before I get you to our interview with our MLB insider, Mike Wiebe, who will also give his opinion on these two huge news stories that are going on that I wanted to touch on. But first, you know how we like to start here on the Ball and Buds podcast with Omar's Overture. So let's kick this bad boy off. Get over here. These two huge news stories that are going on that I wanted to touch on. Uh, first, we have, and I, I have to, you know, lead with it first because it's my team. I'm a Raiders fan. The John Gruden emails. I've been asked a lot how I feel. Uh, you know, it's tough. John Gruden got what he deserved. He turned out to be um, a bigot. He turned out to be, you know, not so good of a person as maybe we thought. Now, we all make our mistakes. His family, I'm sure, will support him through that. He's not going to get another job coaching in the NFL. That's for damn sure. And now it fucks the Raiders organization because he, ha he has made that team in his image. 
So now for another coach to have to come in and unravel that and make it all over again is a whole 10-year process. So now we're going to suck for another 10 years. By the time this is done, you're going to think we were like the Buccaneers back in the day before they were good or the Bengals or the Browns or whatever. Anyways, I don't want to talk about that. What I do want to say, though, is, you know, he deserved he deserved what he got, right? Uh, he shouldn't have said any of those things. He basically attacked every single person, and you just can't do that. Because with those words, you can't be the leader of a football team full of men and an organization full of men and women. You got the first openly gay player in the NFL, and you just can't be the coach. Just not going to work out. And they're not going to have him back either crazy how they found out right through like emails that he sent from his private email but you know when you're sending to your buddy who is the general manager of a football team and it's going to his uh, work email well then that's when it might become an issue now that being said they better be going through all of these emails this better not be a John Gruden witch hunt they better be going through all those emails Dan Snyder has to sell the team Bruce Allen can never get another job in the NFL. Every single person in that Redskins organization has to go, except the people that they have hired recently, not including Jason Wright or Martin Mayhew or Ron Rivera or anyone who came in after this. But everyone before that got to go. They got Dan Snyder got to sell the team. I'm t- I'm, nah. And then anybody else involved? Oh, that better be coming to the surface because I know there's a whole lot more people in the league, around the league. It should be... Some people on every damn team getting this. There shouldn't be one damn team that doesn't avoid this because I know out of 650,000 emails, every single team had to be involved at some point. So, and all them people need to get up out because you ain't going to just get up John Gruden out and not everybody else. Now, again, I am not defending what he did in any way, shape, or form. It was disgusting. It was vile. It was unacceptable. But everybody else got to get theirs too then. We ain't going to be put at a disadvantage and nobody else is. Nah, fuck that. Y'all better do your job, NFL. Release all 650,000 of them emails. Whew, my blood pressure is up. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me calm down a second. Let me get to this other news story. Uh, shit, I guess my blood pressure about to get up again. <laughs> let me try not to get too hyped on this one. Kyrie Irving and the vaccination status with the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, they both had choices to make. Yes, they both made choices, both parties individually. But now that we've heard what his reasoning is, that he is that he wants to be a voice for the voiceless, that he is upset that mandates are causing people their jobs. What about all the people that lost their lives? And I because I know the uneasiness from my African American brethren when it comes to not only the police, but also the medical establishments and things that have been done in the past. I can understand his hesitation if that was what it was, but that's not what he's saying it is. He's not saying he's anti-vaccine. He's just anti-mandate. And again, just, I don't know, just makes no sense, but whatever. You ain't Colin Kaepernick. You're not Muhammad Ali. You're not standing for anything. What are you going to do? Help them people get their job back? You're going to go to you're going to go to each of those organizations and go have a speech and stump for these people to get their job back? You're going to go to Southwest Airlines and go tell the board that they should get their jobs back? You're going to go to California and New York and go to all these places and ask them to give them their jobs back? No, you ain't going to do none of that. So, 
So I would understand if that was the case, but it's not. And yes, I understand. He said that he was told he wouldn't have to take the vaccine, and that was the impression that, and that was what he had agreed to them with. So I understand that that was an agreement they had, but things change. And it ain't the Nets' fault. It was released from the city of New York, and so you play there and you got to deal with it. So now, if you ain't at anti-vaccine, just go ahead and take the vaccine, get it over with. You know you're going to anyways. So right now you're just causing all this controversy and you gave yourself a way to get the vaccine anyway. So just go ahead and get it and start helping your team win some games. You know, we're having this issue with vaccination and because apparently people nowadays have a problem with vaccinations, even though they've been vaccinated their whole lives growing up as kids, had to get all these vaccines. Uh, but whatever. Anyways, it makes no sense. It makes no sense what he's doing. It makes no, you're not going to help any of them people by doing this. So, I mean, what are we talking about right now? You don't want to play, that's fine. Don't play. Sit your ass at home, collect the money, do what you do. No one cares. But just let the team know because they got a job to do. They got a championship to try to win. They got the best chance to win a championship that they've had in forever. You out here fucking they shit up. It's just nonsense every time. It's nonsense every time. You want to be a voice for the voiceless? Good. I'm proud of you. But this right here, I don't think you thought this through fully. But again, it ain't me. And I'm not one to judge. I don't care. You do whatever you want to do. I don't care if you get the vaccine or not, honestly. But I know you're messing up your team right now. And you either need to tell them what you're going to do or not so they can take that salary and place it somewhere else, get some other players on the team to replace you for the year if you ain't going to play until next year. Can't be holding the team hostage. That's the problem. Ain't nobody mad at you because you unvaccinated. Stay unvaccinated and stay your ass at home. Don't nobody care. But we do care if you're fucking up the team. I mean, I don't care. I, I hate the Nets, so you're good, good. Fuck them up. Keep doing what you're doing. But for the sake of them, they probably care. But don't come up with some dumb excuses like this because you ain't saving none of them people. We're talking about voice. You ain't doing nothing for them. How many jobs you going to save doing this? None. Not a damn one. All right? So cut the nonsense. Tell the Nets you don't want to play this year. You want to take the year off. Cool. Let them go out with your money, find some other players. You come back next year. Call it a day. But then you don't get that championship ring if they win that chip then. Don't be crying later. And now, without further ado, he is our combat sports insider, Clubber D, the Combat G. What a fight, what a fight. It lived up to what it's supposed to be. It was Fury versus Wilder, number three. From the first knockdown in round three, it's your main man, Clubber D, always in the place to be reporting live from the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. This fight was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Omar, the Ball and Brothers podcast, for flying me out here. I was at the MGM at the T-Mobile Arena. We was there live and full effect. You know what I'm saying? What's up to Shaq? You know, I saw who else was out there? Michael Strahan. You know, uh, Charles Woodson. Okay, we, we had a lot of people out there. Magic Johnson. You know, he tried to do a skyhook on me. I blocked it. Not today. <laughs> Not in my house. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? We, we, we were out there because that's what we do. This is a big fight. This is a heavyweight. Uh, Stop capping. Uh, 
We have not seen a fight like this in a long time. I'm talking, when is the last time you've seen a good trilogy heavyweight fight? Think about it. A few moments later. Okay, you thought long enough. Okay, so what we have, Bo versus Holyfield? You know? I don't know if part three was the fan man, but, you know, I remember that joint. But anyways, this was amazing. I mean, we all know what was going to happen. We had the controversy with the gloves. Wilder wasn't happy with the gloves that Fury has, so Wilder switched gloves to, to the match, to the same type of gloves. The fight starts out, we got Wilder jabbing to the body. He's trying to soften up his doughy body. Fury, you know, he's not a – this is what you call the perfect example of somebody who looks like they're freaking Tarzan, but sometimes fights like Jane. You got Wilder, who's chiseled, you know, linky, but he's very in shape. Your eyes would think he's he's the more conditioned man. And then you got Fury. You take a shirt off, he looks like Arn Anderson. You know what I'm saying? He's like the Paul Pierce of boxing. He doesn't have much definition. He's doughy, but this man can box. He knows all the angles, and he's a massive bigger guy being a 6'9". He's a big dude. Like I told you, he's, he's Danny Ferry with hands. But uh, Wilder had a decent plan at first. You know, let's jab to the body. Let's soften him up. He can't last that long. So his midsection is soft. He's doughy. Let's, let's knock him 10 crumpets up out of him. Hey, cheer up. But guess what? Even though Wilder looked good for midway through the first round, Fury still landing the best punches. Round three, bam, Wilder goes down, okay? I don't know if it's you, but remember watching Bambi when Bambi would slip on ice, little baby deer? Isn't that what Wilder looks like when he gets hurt? Like, he, he's just so lanky and skinny. He's, he's, he's like a burnt Bambi on ice. You know, he just fall down. You know what I'm saying? He just... He'll slip and just it just looks awkward because he's so he's so lanky, but he goes down. Round four comes around, bam bam the equalizer. Fury goes down twice, and that is where I thought the fight changed. You know, in their first fight, when Wilder knocked him down, damn near out. Fury still I'm not saying he won that round, but he came back in that round. You know, look what happens this time. Fury goes down twice in one round. The second round. Fury looks like the more fresher man. I mean, this guy, like I said, he's doughy. He looks like he looks like he's not in shape. But Wilder was gassed. I mean, I'm talking gassed. Third time, gassed after the fourth round. I mean, this man showed heart. He stayed in there. This is the difference between somebody like Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Like Deontay Wilder, he's gonna die on the shield. You know, he's gonna go out like that. Um, I see why he was mad at Breland for stopping the fight the first, the, the second one, but, you know, it is what it is. He he looked awful, okay? He was trying. I think, you know, the ninth round, uh, he attacked Fury a couple times towards the end of the, the, the round. I will say Fury was doing a little bit of rabbit punching, but the, the, the wrestling let it slide. It is what it is, but Fury is the better boxer. He's naturally the better boxer, all-around better boxer. Let's not be, let's not get that messed up. Fury, hands down, is the better boxer. 
but Wilder always has a puncher's chance, always. You know, I was telling Shaq that but in the in the back, you know what I'm saying? He was talking to me trying to he wanna make a place a wager. I was like, Dog won't fury. Uh you're bullshitting. Uh you know, I don't care what y'all heard before. Whoever said the fourth round, even though I was psyched, I was happy. Whoever said that, you know, Fury was gonna get knocked out in the four, in the fourth round, you gotta remember. I tried to tell you all this last time, I'm gonna tell you all this again. I am the after the fact king, okay? If it doesn't go my way, I'll say I told you so and flip the script. If you don't like me, I don't care. Say what? Okay. I ain't gonna front though. I thought I thought Wilder, you know, having that fourth round. I, I called that joint. I said, like, "Oh snap! Oh snap! It's happening!" But as Stone Cold would say, uh -uh. "No, sir, it didn't happen." But uh, we get to was it tenth, eleventh round, and I mean Fury. He already knew it. He, the water was gas. I mean, he was tired. It looked like he's ran. He he looked like he ran eight marathons. You know what I'm saying? He was just he was just gas, and he was just so sloppy and out of it. I I I wonder. Okay, I know he was lifting heavy and lifting weights and all the stuff for his camp, but you you show a clip or two with him and Malik Scott of him doing technical stuff when it comes to boxing. You see a couple of different routines of him jabbing, slipping, jab, moving side to side, doing his footwork. But all that shit goes out the window when you get punched in the mouth. Do you resort to your old ways, or do you still stick to the plan? And clearly, he saw. What we saw, he stuck to the plan. He, I was like, oh, 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 backtrack. You know, hold on, let's hit that rewind. He didn't stick to the plan. He resorted back to his old ways. So you can be naturally skilled all you want and try to rely on things like that. But if you don't have the basic fundamentals in any sport, not only boxing, it ain't going to work. Okay? You get in there with somebody that's more skilled, more well-rounded, you'll get embarrassed. And that's what happened tonight. You know, this man was singing to at the end of the game, at the end of the fight. And when Fury knocked him out, I mean, it was – he didn't knock him out cold. So he wasn't on the sectional, but he felt so awkwardly, you know what I'm saying? He looked like he was in mid-freestyle swim, you know what I'm saying? Like he was, he was, his arm was going over. He's ready to go, you know, he, you know, be Michael, he's Michael Phelps on. That's how he felt. Like he was in mid-freestyle swim. He's frozen. But uh, we got to get Fury and Usyk. I think the WBO ordered Fury Usyk as far as being the number one contender. But we all we all got to see what happens with uh, Anthony Joshua's eye. If his eye socket is broken, then Ozan Usyk, who wants to be undisputed, he's probably going to fight Fury. I hope that fight happens ASAP, sooner than later. But um, let's talk about something. I don't know what. Spartan that was, I was bringing Fury out. I'm not sure. I'm not judging. But what was that? What was he doing? Okay. I thought it was Boy George in the Spartan outfit. <laughs> but hey, he, he got him. He got the man hype. Wilder, he came out looking like a. Uh, he had his little super shredder mask on. I know it was, it was African tribe. I, I respect that. You know what I'm saying? But he kind of looked like an ethnic predator. You know what I'm saying? Like he was not Predator Part 1 or 2 with Danny Glover when he, when he fought Danny Glover. But it was like kind of like, remember when Leprechaun went to the hood? This is like, he was dressed kind of like a Predator and went to, went to the hood. And he was all blooded out. But it is what it is. He, he, I respect the man. He, 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 has, he has what other fighters don't have. You know what I'm saying? 
Wilder, he's gonna he's he's gonna go out on the shield. He doesn't care, and I respect the hell out of him for that. Unlike other heavyweights, <clears throat> Anthony Joshua. Um, but uh, Paddington the Bear. But anyways, you know what I'm saying? It was a great fight. Like this was hands down one of the better heavyweight fights I've seen in a while. And the fact that both of them were down to do whatever it took to win, that made it even better. But hats off to the champion, Gypsy King, uh, Tyson Fury. Like I, like I projected, I said he would win. I didn't tell you what round, but I said he would win. But yeah, this is Clubber D. Report live from the Cosmopolitan. I got those fresh Zimas in the back. It's going to be amazing. You know what I'm saying? I would say, you know, ask your mom about me, but your mother already knows who I am and knows what I do. It's really your dad. I'm the dad's number one hated in all 50 states. All right, Omar, I'm out. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, 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 oh. Heard that last night. Ask your mama. All right, I'm back. You know what I'm saying? I'm back here on the East Coast. I was in Vegas for the fight. You know, it was crazy. I was I was sitting next to Big E. He was getting mad at me because I told him he had to fade aside that terrible mohawk he got. But that's another story for another day. Uh, why you always lying? Uh. Anyways, I want to get my post-fight analysis, analysis, if I can speak. Hold on. Anyways, I want to get my post-fight feelings and opinion on what Deontay Wilder said now that he has spoken um, since he uh, he lost the rubber match with, uh, with Tyson Fury. I don't know if it's called a rubber match. If it's a draw, then uh, he loses. Anyways, so first and foremost, if anybody, anybody wants me to shout out their mother, because trust me, the place you were born from, I've been up in it. Email, drop it. Back to the show. So, Wilder has said that he had a game plan, started the fight. He was, you know, punching to the stomach. Malik Scott trained him up, you know, uh, give, him a, give him a different look. Give your Tyson Fury a different look for this fight. But um, like Tyson Fury said, once Wilder gets hit, he's going to resort back to his old self. And sure as shit, that happened, okay? He said that, Wilder said that he got hit uh, on the side of the head, around the ear, and since then, he basically felt like he was out of it. Um, he felt gas. He gassed early. He just said he doesn't remember some of the rounds. Blase, blase. Personally, I don't like that, and I don't like the way he just left the ring. I, I mean, I understand it's a heated moment. He's angry. He lost, whatever. But uh, personally, I don't think he needs to say an excuse, okay? He had a hell of a fight. That is one of the best heavyweight fights and fights, period. It's probably fight of the year, obviously, but it's it's, it's one of the better fights that, that the boxing fans have seen and have needed to draw more of a crowd, okay? Because we wonder why UFC and mixed martial arts is on the rise because fighters fight each other. And now that we finally get fighters fighting, we get a great-ass fight. So I don't think Wilder personally needs to say an excuse on why he lost. It is what it is. I mean, if you look at his his career, look at his record, this man has knocked out everybody he's faced. He's knocked down everybody's face, but he's knocked out almost everybody he's faced besides Tyson Fury, depending on the count. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that first fight, that count was kind of long. And then even this fight, uh, when he knocked him down, uh, that count was, it was, it was kind of long, but 
is what it is. I mean, we could say that, but you can also say the ref could have stopped the fight maybe a couple rounds later when when Wilder was just getting pummeled. But, you know, um, it is what it is. But I I just want to touch on that real quick. I don't think Wilder has any reason to uh, say an excuse on why he lost. He, you know, you got hit. Does anyone uh, say excuses why you knocked him out saying, oh, man, he hit me inside the head, man. He knocked me out. If he wouldn't have done that, I would have came back. Negro, please. Okay? It is what it is. You got caught. Tyson Fury was the better man. Everybody knew he was a better boxer. Um, I am the the after-the-fact king, so I did say that. Tyson Fury was going to win. You know what I'm saying? He's just a better boxer. It is what it is. What if, he, if I said anything before this, don't worry about that. But, um, you know, it's me. It's your main man, Clubber D, always in a place to be. I am the Ayatollah, and I keep your mom's bedroom rocking and roller at all times. All right, I'm out. Actually, no, I'm not out. I'm back because, oh, we got to talk about some things. All right, so you flew me out. I was at the Cosmopolitan, you know, uh, great, great spot, you know, but we need to, we need to step our game up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we need to, we need to, I, I need to be at the win or I need to be uh, possibly at, at the Luxor or, or, or MG. I'm tired of walking up and down the strip, you know, uh, all these moms are spilling uh, Chardonnay and, and Rosé on my, on my loafers. And we need, we need, we need to, we need to fix this. But, um, but anyways, I'm done with my little rant. Um, I'm going to get back to doing things that uh, your your father didn't do and spend time with your mom. So, all right, y'all. Again, if you want me to shout out your mom or if you got a topic that you want me to talk about, a boxing topic or a boxing question, drop it, oh. Ball and Bubs at MVPSMB.com. Good googly moogly. Ball and Bubs at MVPSMB.com. But anyways, all right, we out. And now, without further ado, he is our Major League Baseball insider, Mike Weeby. Yes, we are proud to have in our MLB Major League Baseball insider, Mike Weeby is back with us on the program. How are you doing today, my brother? Good, Amor. How you doing, man? I am doing well, my friend. Doing very well. Excited. Excited. We are in the middle of the first round of the playoffs in baseball. Obviously, we had an amazing season. It was a lot of ups and downs for many of the teams. A lot of different yeah. storylines that we'll get into, including the, the, the no-hitters and all of that good stuff. So, But I guess before we get into it all... How do you feel as a whole, uh, how the season went? Any, like, storylines that really stuck out to you? And then we'll just go from there. The, uh, the you know, the season was great. My favorite thing about the whole season was that it, it went off. Like, you know, we were able to finish the season. You know, I wasn't sure in the beginning of the year if that would mm. even happen. But it's kind of wild now looking at these playoff games and seeing packed stadiums. And, you know, there were a few hiccups with people getting COVID here and there. But all in all, I think the system worked out pretty well. I you know, it, it seemed to go off without any real damage, unlike last year where you had, you know, some guys get COVID and, and whole teams have to shut down for a little while. And right. um, it was just nice to see the whole season go off. And, you know, it was a fun, really fun season with, with all the no hitters and, you know, controversy with the sticky stuff and teams that were supposed to win losing. And somehow the San Francisco Giants team, I still don't understand. It, it's just, they just wow. win all the time um 
you know, it's, it's been a really good season. You finally got that that breakout from Vladimir Guerrero you were waiting for, and, <laughs> and Shohei Otani was really putting on a show all year. I mean, it was it was a it was a great season. Uh, not over yet. We're still in the playoffs, but you know, as of today, I mean, the season the the championship series could be both set after tonight, depending on what happens. You know, in the Dodgers Giants game, and however this uh, this Brewers Braves game finishes out yeah and you uh, you know what one thing that you really that and but again we got the season played out like you said and it was amazing we got stands are packed it's so beautiful to have fans back just the atmosphere of these playoffs has been one of one of a kind after not having it for so long and yeah uh, as you had mentioned some of the biggest storylines of the year let's start off with the big one Shohei Otane Showtime right uh revolutionizing baseball he's taking i mean he's doing things that haven't been done pretty much at this stature since a babe ruth in the uh in the early centuries of the last century <laughs> it really is crazy to see somebody you know that can put up those kind of offensive power numbers you know i wish it was on a better team or or i wish trout was there to see it done mm-hmm. I, you know it, it really would be it really would be amazing to see him, you know, in the bright lights in the playoffs to see something like that happen and, wow. and to be able to watch him do both things, you know. And I think the the league is probably catching up to him a little bit as far as the, the pitching side goes, but that doesn't take away from how amazing it is to see someone just out there blowing people away with fastballs and then turning around and hitting you know, hitting balls 425 and, <laughs> and, and signing autographs after the game with a big smile. It mm. really is a a wonderful story and you know I, I know i have some east coast bias here but it, it, it kind of stinks for for those of us on the east coast that just don't get a chance to see him that often yeah definitely but definitely missing out on a lot of obviously mm-hmm. amazing play transcending baseball and like you said with a smile on his face he's a joyous guy he's happy to be there he loves what he does yeah. and even if they even if yes his pitching maybe isn't you know roger clemens i don't really care that dude gave him you know, 15, 20 starts of a uh, sub four ERA and was mashing 40 something home runs. Yeah, they think he hit 40, 46, something like that. I what? Think, I mean, come on. Yeah. He hit more home runs than, he hit home, more home runs than the polar bear. Than my, <laughs> than my man, Pete Alonso. Say what? He did. And, you know, my one of my favorite, you know, stats to look at all year is. Uh, you know, Salvador Perez led the American League in home mm, runs. It really, mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like, how, do, how does that happen? How does a, a catcher, a, 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 a supposed washed catcher, just out of, you know. A big really, boy, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, he's a lot younger than I think a lot of people think he is because he's been around so long. I, you know, I, I don't think he's, you know, but 30 or something like that. He's still... Still a pretty young guy, 30, 31, something like that. I so, do. Yeah, I believe you're right. I believe he's not 31 or something, 32. Uh, maybe. And, you know, beginning of the year, if you asked me, I'd have told you he's 35. I mean, it <laughs> he's seems like he's around been around for forever, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Otani definitely what has been great. Like you mentioned, Vlad, did he win the Triple Crown? I don't I don't know if I, no, I did. No, 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 okay. he didn't. Um, I think Guriel won the, the batting title. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was really amazing. You know, the biggest part of watching these playoffs the thing that that really bums me out outside of otani not being there is, or, or the blue jays not being there you know that was that was my pick when we mm. talked last time to mm-hmm. win the east and maybe come out of the american league and then they got barrios and I, I thought it was i thought it was lights out for the rest of the league after they got barrios and um that team is exciting to watch they are dangerous they are young 
Um, they've got some middle relief concerns, obviously. Mm. Really did them in this year, but um, that team is is absolutely going to be a nightmare for everyone to face for the next four or five years. No doubt about that. And as you mentioned, I mean, not having them, not having Otani and Trout and the Angels, not having the Padres with Tatis and Machado, just like not having these young superstars in the playoffs is, is, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. the, The playoffs have been good, like we mentioned, but I mean, just not having some of those stars that could really beef it up another level. Mm-hmm. Yep, we'll, we'll get there, though. They've got plenty of time, a lot of those guys. So um, it, it'll, it'll be good to see to see them. I really do think the Blue Jays are going to be a, a team to be reckoned with for, for a while here in the American League, especially with teams like the Astros, who are doing great. And, you know, they obviously just closed out their series. They're going to the championship series. But with the ages of a lot of the players, you can see them kind of starting to, to hit that, that downturn, even though they still won this year without Verlander. But... Um, you know, there's going to be room for these teams to come up. Uh, teams like the Blue Jays are, are really going to be able to take advantage of that, I think. Yeah, no doubt about that. Them, the Padres, the White Sox, who mm-hmm. obviously are playing well, even though they just got bounced. They they were looking uh, really good as a young team. So, yeah, no doubt about that. There are some good young teams as well as young prospects coming up. So, I mean, we talked a lot about well, we've talked about Otani, we've talked about Guerrero, we've talked about Tatis. You know, there's still, I mean, Acuna got hurt, unfortunately, so we didn't get to see that. Yeah. But Soto uh, Soto had a great year. Harper mm-hmm. Harper bounced back and had an MVP year. Um, you know, there's, again, so many just, like, quality players uh, in the league right now. And it's just so, so uh, amazingly fun to watch. I know I was trying to catch every game that I could. Like, obviously, I watched every Mets game just because I have the package anyways. But, you know, the year that we had off, I wanted to consume as much as possible. But it was just a really, really good season in general, I believe. But my, you know, I think my favorite story the whole year was probably the, you know, the the soap opera of the sticky stuff middle of the season. And <laughs> yeah. watching. Uh... Nope. Denied. <laughs> watch watching how that played out throughout the year you know you saw guys that were out there with these massive spin rates and 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 fastballs everyone was throwing 100 it seemed like that was coming out of the pen everywhere you looked these guys were just throwing flame everywhere Mm. um and then they they broke down and said okay we're gonna we're gonna stop this and and what you saw next was offenses tick back up you started seeing these guys um, not striking out 10 anymore, 10, 12 a game. They were sitting there at five and six. And I mean, you saw some guys take real hits for it. Um, you know, Oh yeah. As on my team, you know, the team that I root for the guy like John means took a big hit for that Garrett Cole. Mm. I mean, people really started to struggle right after they, they cracked down on that. And it was, it was wild to watch. You could tell that that, that a, a lot of these pitchers were very were dependent on it, and it's funny because you could tell oh, the, yeah. you could tell the ones that were dependent on it, and then you could tell the ones that didn't really use it at all. Because I could tell you one thing: Degrom was just as nasty before as he was yeah. after. Because I don't think he's ever been used like most like some pitchers just don't need that stuff. But I get it, right? It's because of the grip. You want to have the grip on, on your hands, so you maybe you're you're scared you might hit somebody. Granted, I mean you shouldn't be in the majors if you if your control isn't good. Enough enough that you might hit somebody but that neither here nor there they had this japanese ball which is apparently new and revolutionary it comes with attack on it already and both the pitchers and hitters like it so i think they should just institute that but the point like as you as you mentioned is really crazy 
because the discrepancy. Yeah, they're going to have to do something about it. Right, but they're always trying to overcompensate. Like b- baseball is mm-hmm. all, always overcompensating one way or the other. First of all, it's okay, let's cork the balls or whatever. Let's juice the balls or whatever. Then it's okay. Well, no, now yeah. let's let's bring down the sticky stuff. Okay, now let's do all these different things, and they're always just trying to overcompensate. Like I read a I read a stat the other day. We had talked about the um, how the uh, man on second base in extra innings and mm-hmm. the th- and the three pitcher rule. Remember we talked about that, so I was I was yep. mm-hmm. I was listening to how they were talking about those were supposed to help the pace of game of play. The games of play, on average, were longer than they were in years this year. They're always trying to overcompensate. That's my point for that. And yeah, I, and um, and you know it's weird if you watch these playoffs. Like you know I've watched most of these games in the playoffs all the way through, and you know the guys are they're using the tack again. You can see them going to their hats. You can see them going back to their gloves. You can you can see them all doing it again. Yeah, um, and I was sitting there with my kids the other night. And we were just watching this guy go right back to his hat every single pitch, every huh. single time, time after time, and and just they're not they're not checking anymore. They're not, you know, I, I don't know why, but um, it looks like they've they've kind of let off the gas on that these last couple, or at least in the postseason. Yeah, you know, I didn't even realize that, but now that you say that, I I have realized that I have seen pitchers doing more of the t- hat touching, and I mm-hmm. only remember. One time so far, if I remember correctly, there was one time, and I think it was yesterday or the day before, that they checked the picture that I saw. Other than that, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Because I, I, I don't like – I like it. I like them not being able to do it, not being able to use the tack. I, I don't like seeing them go to the hat and go to the belt and go to the – go to the glove, especially when I know what they're doing. So it's, it's, it's just odd to me. I'm not sure why they would tell them to go away or tell the umpires to, to not check them as much. I, I don't know. Right. That is, it is kind of sketchy looking. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I so, just saw someone do it just now in this, in this Brewers game that I'm watching Brewers Braves. I just watched a picture do it right now. <laughs> so, but they, but they overcompensated because of the no hitters because there were all of mm-hmm. those no hitters we were having. So what, I mean, yeah. what about that craziness? Yep. We had what 13 no hitters or something in the first half of the season, including your boy, John means that you mentioned. Yeah, it was, it was wild. There's that one period, you know, where there was like four in two weeks yeah. like every other day. There was a, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it was, it was interesting. There's no hitter watch all the time. And I think there was one, once they started telling the umpires to check the, uh, the pitchers, there was one the whole rest of the season. So, Right. Uh, yeah. I think we, exactly. all, we all can see where that where that came from. Yeah. That's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. It was just completely. It was. You're exactly right. The first half of the season was no hitter watch every day, and then afterwards, mm-hmm. yep, you're exactly yep. right. It just went way downhill. So uh, I don't know what we're gonna see next season. Hopefully, we can find a good balance. Hopefully, maybe they bring those balls over or whatever. Um, baseball just. Yeah, I to... hope they do it. Yeah, baseball. I know they, that they've had other versions of those balls and they were trying to use them in um single a and double a i think it was that they were using a version of those pre-tacked balls okay um i'm not i'm not sure how that went but they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff i i read an article today that they you know in the um in the one of the one of the lower off-season leagues they're they're lowering the mound again and push or not lowering the mound. They're pushing the mound back a foot to see how that works. Really? Um, huh. Yeah. They, they, they're doing that. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm curious what they're going to do with these, um, these other rules. Like you talked about the one with the starting the runner on second base. I, I think I'm definitely in the minority, but I, I really like that rule. I think it's, I think it's interesting. I think it makes the game more exciting. It just, it's different, but I, I like it. 
I understand it, it does, I guess, it does bring more excitement to the game for sure because just that you're automatically putting somebody on base. My problem with it is, is if my team, and we talked about this, so I'm not going to go at length, but again, like if, if my team has worked all game long and then all of a sudden we're tied and this person is on second base and they score on a couple sacrifice flies, like it just seems kind of cheap to me. So I don't know mm-hmm. what's going to happen. I, I think that they'll probably... Yeah end up uh, keeping it, I guess. But I wish they would at least push it back to like the 12th inning or something. But I'll I'll tell you what I didn't see a lot of this year was I didn't see a lot of uh, some fourth outfielder or reserve shortstop coming in and and pitching in a major league game because that that drives me absolutely crazy seeing that happen. They did not have a lot of those. You're right. I think I only heard or saw of maybe two or three times that happening. Uh, this season. Yeah, because you weren't you weren't having these these fifteen eighteen inning games. They were you know they were ending in the eleventh, twelfth. You know even the ones that went long were ending pretty quickly. Right, right. No, I agree with that. Um, on the other hand, and and again, this is I mean both rules right are supposed to help the pace of game of play, which again it was longer on average, anyways. But the um, the three the three batter or three batter rule for the pitchers for uh, the uh, relief pitchers. I, again, yeah, I like that one too. <laughs> Yeah, I know you do. I know you do because we talked about it. But again, I think you're in the minority. I think it didn't show to be as as popular or achieve everything they wanted it to. And so how when a relief pitcher comes in, they have to face three batters before they can be taken out. How that was supposed to speed the pace up and and decrease the amount of time it took to play a game. Right. But as we talked about. So, you know, maybe it seems like a good idea at the time. This is something that I had read. But two seasons in, it was supposed to make games zip along faster. Instead, the average time of a nine-inning game this year was three hours and ten minutes, the longest ever. It was supposed to reduce pitching changes. Instead, the number of relief pitchers per game, 3.4 per team, is at an all-time high. It was supposed to give hitters a chance to get more late-inning at-bats against a pitcher who threw with the opposite hand, lefty-righty versus righty, uh, lefty versus righty, righty versus lefty kind of thing. And even that hasn't happened. It actually went the other way. So it it was intended that they would have to face other batters, but instead the percentages went up by 2% for righties versus righties and 1% for lefties versus lefties. And one more thing, the managers didn't like it, right? So I think that all around that is a bust. But one reason it could have been a longer season is because this year they had 846 pitchers appear in all of the games. So that could be a reason. Uh, it was 642 10 years ago. So, Yeah, but I mean, when, when you're looking at those numbers, are they looking at the time that the players were on the field or the t- time from the time they called the first batter up to the last out? Because they're also... You know, the majority of the breaks in the game are taken by the television station. There are commercial breaks and, Very true. and, and things like that. They're, you know, it, it's not necessarily 100% based on how many pitchers come in. There's also these other outside business influences that impact how long these games go. So if a, if a, a, you know, a station that has the television rights to a team and pays hundreds of millions of dollars for it had a season where there were no fans and they had, you know, lower interest of course they're going to try to squeeze a couple more commercials than i would imagine Very the true. course of this year yep yeah yeah no yeah, I can... but i don't have any i don't have any any data to show that either i'm just curious to see i i can't imagine that having less pitching changes every game 
doesn't affect the speed of the game. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Right, uh, logically that doesn't making, make sense. Yeah, how removing the 16, 17, 18, 19 inning games from the season doesn't affect the speed of the game. It, it, it doesn't make any sense logically that those two things could happen. And in some way, shape, or form, the speed of the game has not been affected. Yeah, agreed. It doesn't make sense logically, but somehow they're longer. So I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't, and again, you're probably right. It probably is mostly do with commercials and those sorts of of things. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens in the future mm-hmm. if what they do with those rules. So um, a couple of things I wanted to bring up that we talked about last time. I just wanted to bring it up. Uh, some of the things that we had mentioned just for the the audience to recall. Uh, so we talked about the greatest uh, possible rotation ever. You remember that? The Padres? I do. <laughs> yep. You know, it was really amazing. I think the team that we were talking about were the Dodgers. Possibly oh, no, you're right. Rotation. That was the Dodgers. The Dodgers, sorry. Yes, and, and, you know, it, it's wild. It would, even even now when you look at the team and you, you see them in the playoffs and you go, oh, okay, well, you know, they've got last year's American League Cy Young Award winner, not not playing, but on the roster. They've got... Clayton Kershaw, who's won what three, four of those things, not, oh, not yeah. on the roster, not not able to play, not able to play right now. I, I think at at one point in time there was I saw a stat somewhere it said that of the last ten years, you take the, all the Cy Young Award winners from the last ten years, and right now the Dodgers staff has a winner of the Cy Young in six of the last ten years. Wow, team <laughs> right now, that's crazy. right now. And and they're still able to to put Walker Bueller out there and Max Scherzer and Urias and I mean it's it really is it really is kind of wild what they're able to do all that without the American League Cy Young Award winner last year. Yeah, no, you're you're wow, yeah, that stat I didn't know that stat. That's uh, but that doesn't surprise me now that I mean we've talked about at length uh, yeah. in the last episode about how good all these pitchers are and then they acquired Scherzer at the deadline yeah then they only... get Scherzer yeah. right <laughs> like what so um, but you know they have excelled so far they are still in the playoffs they are uh, going to the <laughs> as, of, as of this recording as, as of this recording right uh, <laughs> yeah. we don't know what's going to happen tonight something could change message and so last night in the NLDS, the National League Division Series, we had the San Francisco Giants versus the Los Angeles Dodgers. 1-1 in going into the ninth inning. The Dodgers scored the go-ahead run to go up 2-1. to one. They brought in Max Scherzer for the close. So you're bringing in a Cy Young pitcher for the close there. Not very often done, but hey, you do what you got to do to win the game. That being said, the Giants got screwed. Straight and plain, Wilmer Flores got called strike three on a check swing. For those of you listening who don't know, a check swing is when the batter goes and stops swinging their bat before the threshold. There is a threshold about halfway through the plate where if the batter goes through, it's called a strike even if they stop their bat. But if they stop their bat before that halfway point, it's not a strike. Now, granted, that's subjective and up to the ump, but it's also bullshit because he wasn't even close to swinging. And you can't do that on the third strike to end the damn National League Division Series. That's just fucked up. I feel sorry for my friend Brandon. I apologize, brother. That's fucked up. Uh, so the Evil Dodgers won on 
on a controversy abounds. It was it was a, it was a horrible call. The Giants manager Cap, Gabe Kapler took it in stride and said, you know, that wasn't the reason we lost the game, but it's still still pretty crappy. And so now update for the playoffs we have in the National League for the championship series. The Los Angeles Dodgers versus the Atlanta baseball team. While on the American League Championship Series, we have the Boston Red Sox versus the Houston Cheating Astros. And I know I say Houston Cheating Astros, and I should probably say Boston Cheating Red Sox as well because they got caught cheating too, but Houston cheated worse, and I have to pick somebody. I really don't like all four teams. But I probably guess I like the Red Sox the best out of all four. Uh, I, I hate them in the past, and so that's not even close. The Dodgers, they just, they're one of those, they're like the Yankees. You know, they spend to win. It's just like, I don't know, like an evil empire kind of thing. And then the Astros, we just don't, they, they're cheaters. We just, I, nope, nope, cheaters, cheaters, cheaters. Fuck you. I hope y'all get swept. But anyways, so that is the updated Playoff bracket now back to our regularly scheduled program. So how do you feel about our teams then? We've talked about all the playoff teams. We've got all that good stuff out of the way so the audience can hear that. Now let's talk about our two shitty teams. So we've gone through the season. Um, you know, my Mets ended up flaming out. Your Orioles ended up, uh, you know, I, did y'all tank? Would yeah. that be considered tanking? I, I think we... I think we flamed out a little earlier than the, than the Mets did, but would, yes, we did. Would it be called tanking, though? Would you say? Um, you know, it, it's a hard that word, that tank word, the T word is hard to, the T word. to put on there because. <laughs> because I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. Look, the team that was given to the manager this is the team that you have to use true that team was not built to win it was purposefully not built to go out there and compete every day um that team was built to be cheap and to buy time for you know minor league development and things like that but i can tell you without a shadow of a doubt and with 100 percent confidence that those guys went out there every day and they they played their asses off uh they they were definitely trying and trying as hard as they could they were not tanking um once they hit the field, they were just outgunned. I mean, they have a pitching staff at all. If you go through and look at the the pitching staff, the starters they threw out there every day, I mean, the most consistent starter on their team was was almost Matt Harvey, you could say, for the whole year. Oh, he God. had 30, wow. 30 starts. No! No! It, Did he, he really? Starts and a, oh. Yeah, and, and damn near a 7 ERA most of the season. Oh, um, Good googly moogly. It was it was really really bad, and, and you know, guys. As soon as somebody got released from another team, someone would get DFA. You just knew that he was getting picked up, and he was starting for the Orioles in like three days because <laughs> that's what they were doing. It's just it's just the way the season went. Um, it's tough on fans. No, but when you're looking at the division, I mean, what are they supposed to do? I, you know, I understand both sides of the argument. When you've got a division that has that Blue Jays team we already talked about, that has, you know, $200 million Yankees team, a damn near $200 million Red Sox team, the, the American League representative in the World Series and the Rays, and those are the, the other four teams in your division. Mm. What, do you, mm. what are you supposed to do when you're trying to rebuild? Are you just going to go out there and, you know, everyone says, we could, you could have signed a free agent or two 
in the starting rotation. But, I mean, are you just throwing the money away? Right, so you just wasted money wanna just use, to waste it. Or, yeah, or do you want to take that money and do you want to build a, a new scouting combine in in the Dominican Republic? What do you want to – what's the proper use of that money? There's there's mm. no right answer to say that, that way A is correct or way B is correct because mm. this is the exact same uh, team that – that oversaw the rebuild of the Astros, you know, eight, nine years ago. Okay. And, you know, we're still watching them in the playoffs today. Um, it's the same team that did that, and they did the exact same thing. They they stripped everything down to the screws, put a bunch of stuff out there on the field to bide time, and they had to rebuild the house from the ground up from the studs. So um, is it fun to watch? No, I'll tell you. It's awful. I watched 140 <laughs> games this year. It's <laughs> terrible I, <laughs> I i didn't think it could be much worse than like the early 2000s oriole teams but it was it was tough to watch but there were some bright spots that we got to see too so you know i don't want to make this an, an orioles podcast but you know <laughs> you know seeing trey mancini come back from from cancer last year and mm. and and then you know john means throwing the no hitter and then watching mancini in the home run derby and and getting to watch what happened with Cedric Mullins was Mullins, yep. incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy's this guy's five six if he's five six. Uh and he was a switch hitter until this season and they finally told him like, hey, you gotta figure something out because you're not gonna be a major league player. So he said, Okay, I'll I'll stop switch hitting and we'll see how that goes. So, you know, I, I I didn't switch hit in high school. We'll see if I can still hit. And he goes out there and puts up a thirty thirty season. It, it it really was remarkable. Yeah. So between that and, and and watching Ryan Mountcastle go from a a triple A hitter that was you know struggling to to hit consistently in the majors to being a guy that hit thirty four home runs this year, you know there are some pieces there, and I think it's working. I hate to say trust the process, but um, <laughs> you know I'm. I'm I'm okay with this as long as we don't get a Ben Simmons. I think we'll be all right. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Was uh, I mean when you harken back to the Astros, uh, tanking process, it is it it it, it reminds yeah. me of it's baseball's version of the process, and so you all are just part mm-hmm. two of that version of the process. But you're right. Uh, the people that yeah. you shouted out deserve the shout outs. Means Mullins, uh, Mancini, uh, Mountcastle. Which by the way, uh, your MLB insider Mike Weeby and uh, yours truly. Here at the Ball and Buds podcast, had all of those gentlemen having great years this year. I just want to make sure that's uh, known to the uh, outer <laughs> public. But anyways, uh, we're not even going to talk about my Mets because I really don't want to. They they ended up sucking, going from first to last, and it was really bad to watch. Hopefully next year will be better. Hopefully we sign a couple free agents. I, I like Baez. I like that combo. So hopefully we uh, sign or, him back. But he's going to be expensive. Yeah. So I would like to. Well, I mean, shit, you might as well have some flair. And if we got uh, Cohen, who has all this money, let him spend it, right? So anyways. Yeah, um, it's, it's New York. This isn't this isn't Milwaukee. Go ahead and get someone that likes gold chains and, and you know, being a little loud sometimes. Why not? Yeah, we have to compete with the Yankees. They got Gallo and Stanton yeah. and, and and all these big, uh-huh. huge dudes and Rizzo now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we got to we got to keep yeah. up. And now we got an owner who's willing to spend. So we might as well take mm-hmm. it while it's there. Anyways, okay. Yep. So back to the playoffs. So we can round this all back out into form to where we came from. What are we thinking in the playoffs? So right now we have the Brewers and Braves are currently playing. The Braves are up two to one. The Red Sox have moved on to the championship series. The Astros have moved on to play the Red Sox. Uh, in the National League, we have what's the series on the on the Braves uh, up two one on the other one. 
Yeah, Braves up 2-1, Giants up 2-1. Giants are up 2-1, right, right, right. Cool, so we will see what happens uh, tonight there. What are your predictions? I know uh, both of our uh, World Series predictions aren't even in the playoffs anymore, so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, in the National League, I think my two favorite teams to watch are both in the National League and the Brewers and the and the uh, the Dodgers. Um, they're both down two one right now, and I you know I hope we get to see something turn around because I think they're the the two best teams in the league. I think they match up the best, but um, yeah, you know it's these these best of five series are are interesting, and any team can come out of here and win. So you know you never know, and I I still like I still think I like the Dodgers out of everyone in the National League. I still think they have the best team. I I don't think it's even you know anything close to an impossibility for them to come back and win two games with those pitchers we mentioned, especially if they're, you know, they're gassing guys out every time they go out there and, um, you know, playing like there is no tomorrow and just hoping to advance. So I like them and uh, American League's tough though. I mean, it's it's a it's a tough call between those two teams. The the heart of me wants to root. I know it sounds crazy, but I, I'm actually going to be rooting for the Astros, not just because I'm a vicious just Red Sox hater, but, <laughs> right. uh, but, you know, I, I like Dusty Baker. I, I like Dusty Baker. I, you know, I'd like to see him, I'd like to see him do something great here at the end of his, end of his career too. And, um, you know, hopefully there can be some, some makeup for the, the failings they had in the past. Yeah. I can't agree with you there. I, I, I love Dusty Baker and I would love to see him do something, but I, I cannot give the Astros back their credit. They're nothing yet. They have to keep, they have to keep getting punished and it's not even fair that they have a good team like this. It's really not. Um, yeah. They, they, they never get, they never got punished. There was no punishment. There was exactly. There was nothing, no punishment. No. Uh-uh. So, uh, so unlike you, I'll be rooting for the Red Sox. Uh, but yeah, I think the Dodgers uh, are still the team to beat. As you had mentioned, um, they can easily come back two games. Although our dear friend Brandon, his giants are still playing well and their old asses have played well all damn season uh to the tune of 107 wins but they're uh, up against you know the dodgers who are just as formidable so we will uh see what happens there speaking of punishments while i have you on uh i wanted to get your take on the two big huge stories from the day so what what are your what are your thoughts on the Kyrie vaccination brooklyn nets uh not playing him um you know again you know there's the the thing that's odd about sports talk because everyone wants things to fit so neatly into a box and, and something's either right or something's wrong. And, and, you know, binary things like that don't work well for me. So, you know, I, I can tell you this, I I don't know what it's like to be a black man in America Mm. and have these things laid on my shoulders that make me distrust these structures, like, you know, the government and Mm. modern medicine, whatever's happened to Kyrie. I don't understand that. And I'm not going to pretend like I do. Um, I know that that he's he seems to be a fairly intelligent young man um, who who has made plenty of money in his career. Oh, yeah. Um, He's made a decision for whatever reason he has to not get vaccinated. Um, And is it a decision that I made? No, but I'm not in the same position as him. I don't I don't pretend to to have an understanding of, of what he's thinking. So I don't blame him for choosing not to get vaccinated. Did I choose to get vaccinated? You're damn right. The first day I could, I was kicking old ladies in the back to get to be the front <laughs> line to, to get them to shove that needle in my arm as fast as they could. You and me um, both. I, but, I I was begging yeah. for it weeks before. I was like, please. Yeah, yeah. And and but but I'm not. I'm mad at him for deciding not to do it. That's 
as far as far as the Nets go, you know, they're only doing basically what they're being told to do. There are restrictions laid upon them by the league. They are fitting into the into the the constructs that their league is built. The league said the states. The league said this. The state said this. Um, if he can't play, why would you have him practice when you'll need that time for Patty Mills or mm. or whoever else, whatever other G League players are going to have to call up to play point guard for them this year <laughs> to to get some to get this time in practice to to start right. playing with with them because they don't have a lot of time here. I mean, they sold their soul to to build this team. They right. really did. They sold out. They've got Everything. nothing in the cupboard. Nothing is in the cupboard right now. They've got a bunch of old players who might be able to play still. And then they've got, mm-hmm. you know, they've got, um, they got Kevin Durant um, and they got the beard. And without Kyrie, that's what they've got. They have to sell out and do everything they can to win right now. And if Kyrie is choosing not to get the vaccine and not be a part of that team for whatever reason, that's his decision. Um, and I don't blame them either for saying he can't practice with the team. So, you know, there, there isn't a right answer or a wrong answer um, unless you're the guy cutting the check. So I'm not cutting the check, so I'm not going to place blame or, <laughs> or anything like that. If right. you ask the owner, I guarantee you he'd have some, some concerns with it. Oh yeah, I'm sure he's pretty. Uh, they're all pretty upset in the, in the uh, you know, in the in the background. But uh, so to get this though, and so yes, they they each had a choice to make. They both made the choices. Each party, both parties, made the choices they need to make. So I read this right before coming on here. So I don't know how true it is, but apparently it was in an article, and it he said this to close teammates. But the reason that he hasn't got vaccinated is not that he's not anti science or anti-vax but that he he is standing up because he thinks it's wrong that people that the mandates are forcing people to lose their jobs yeah and you know if that's a decision he's making then he's got the freedom to do that but he's also he's also got to pay the consequences you you look at people standing up for things they've believed in throughout the past and muhammad ali and colin kaepernick Mm, mm. i mean they all paid they all paid major prices for for for, for for doing that and you know and if he wants to he thinks this is something that's on that level that'll you know affect change then go get him man i'm not i'm not here to stop you yeah i don't i i just think that's wild because i don't think that he's gonna affect anything doing that and he's just losing out on a bunch yeah, of money I, but whatever hey I, I i'm with you i you know and i wonder i wonder if they have to pay him i, I you know i haven't seen anything about that like is he gonna I is would, he gonna receive his full salary this season i would think if it's mandated by law then they wouldn't have to or at least the games I, he can't play, right? So, anyways, speaking of punishments, uh, what what are your thoughts on the John Gruden email fiasco? Yeah, woof. Oh. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants any part of that. I, you know, uh, what can you say, guy? Maybe the guy's just a just a pos, and no one knew it. I mean, mm. I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like I haven't seen the emails. I haven't read them. I don't know, but from from the reports, it looks like there's been a, a lot of, oof, a lot of, you know, really counterproductive things being said, you know, when he was at ESPN. And, that's nice. That's uh, a nice way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it really is just a shame. And I, I think you and I have the, have the, the two most painful franchises to be fans of in the entire NFL. And, oh. uh, I think you're getting, you're getting your dose of medicine right now. And I think ours is coming right after considering that, you know, this is all, these are all leaks from the the Washington football team investigation that they're doing. So I think this is just the, 
just the start. Yeah, it's definitely just the tip of the iceberg. As I was, uh, you know, saying earlier, I, I was uh, posting in the group chat and I said, you know, this is just the beginning. It's rolling downhill for Gruden. And I said, it's going to get worse for the Washington football team. And so, yes, you having you on here is perfect perspective because uh, letting the audience know full transparency, you are a huge Washington football team football fan, have been since you were uh, all, all a football fan your whole life. Uh, so, yes, oh, yeah. you are uh, you are intimately uh, acquainted with this story as well as I am, and so you will as well be experiencing some kind of fallout from this. Probably Snyder selling the team, I would assume, at some point. Um, but you know, you never know. So uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on and, you know those kind of things. And, and, and hey, you know, talking about punishments, I, I have a, a question for you. What is the punishment going to be after that awful take I heard? your boy Clubber D say last time on the podcast about how, about how Wilder Wilder's going to come out here and beat Tyson Fury. And he went out there and that I watched that fight the same way that every other red-blooded American did yeah. on my phone via a live stream on Twitter. Hold it right there, man. I'll be taking that. And what I, what I saw was Tyson Fury <laughs> just beat the brakes off that man again. I, I, I really felt bad after like the seventh round. I, I felt like he was out on his feet for, you know, a solid five rounds. It, it, you know, and the later it got, the more I was just thinking like, man, this is, this is taking like a decade off this guy's life. This, mm. this beating he's taking right now. So, so speaking of punishments, I, I, maybe you should, you know, not fly him first class, make him sit coach next time uh, or, uh. Next time you send him somewhere, make him sit really, really, really far away from from ringside, not Those seventy rows behind the ring. <laughs> yeah, can can we can we get some kind of punishment set up here that that everyone can hear and everyone can see? You know what's hilarious about you saying that is you're always reading my mind. I literally texted Clubber D yesterday and said, "So how much money are we going to start owing these people that have gone out and placed all these bets on your incorrect prediction?" <laughs> Yeah, not not a not a good night for Mr. D. That was that look, he didn't just embarrass himself, Omar. He embarrassed you. He embarrassed the fans of this podcast. Jeez, Louise. He embarrassed <laughs> Say what? He embarrassed all of us. God the punishment bless. should be levied in the best way possible. Uh, God. I'll let you guys talk that out. God bless you. Know, he said he said, I told you I'm the after the fact king. You I said no, there's not you can't be you can't be getting every single person. No, <laughs> Oh my goodness! No, you're right though. That, but the I will say one thing. That fight was one of the best fights I've seen in a while, a long, long time. The the trilogy was uh, was great. You're completely right though. Uh, you know, Fury just outboxed him, and Wilder, you know, warrior at heart, but he was, yeah, he was just he was tired and he was beat up, and he just he as as again, I give him all the heart and all the warriorness in the world, but. Uh, Fury's just a better boxer, and he was also leaning on him, being real heavy on him. Anyways, it doesn't really yeah, matter. He's he's huge, and, and he has uh, he, the man's got a steel jaw. You know, there were times where it looked like Wilder had hurt him, but you know, I don't think there was any question that if he was going to go down or not. I didn't think there was ever a time where you thought Fury was going to go down. And I mean, really, after that sixth that sixth round, it was it was scary time for for Wilder. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. And he he looked fresh, even Fury did in the tenth round, still. Anyways, so, but yeah, we are definitely gonna make sure uh, that Clubber D uh, suffers some sort of 
punishment for this be a uh, coach flying and or nosebleed seating? <laughs> Maybe a Ramada Inn uh, placement instead of <laughs> Notting Hill? Yeah. <laughs> do they do they still do it where they, you know, they have like overflow rooms and yeah. the, uh, the stadiums where they make you watch it on like closed circuit TV? Maybe. Maybe that's the best, that's the best great. option for next time. In the media room, in the press room. <laughs> yeah, yep. That's great. Uh, thank you so much, my brother, my friend, MLB insider Mike Weeby. Thank you for coming on. It is appreciated as always. Sign off, hit him with your Twitter yes, and all that good stuff. All right. Thanks, everyone, for having me again, Omar. I really appreciate it. The Twitter is at M-I-K-E-D-O-U-B-L-E-E-W-E, Mike W. Um, and you know, anytime you need me, give me a shout. I'll be here. All right, my brother. Thank you so much. Take care and have a great night. All righty. Appreciate you. Later. And you know how we like to end things here on the ball and buds podcast with Omar's epilogue. Get the f*** out of here. Episode 28 is in the books. My friends, family, I hope you enjoyed. So Clubber D has some response for that conversation Mike Weeby and I had about his punishment. Him and Weeby know each other just a little bit. <laughs> and uh, so I messaged Clubber D about our conversation and asked if he had any response. And so I will play that here for you in a second. It's hilarious. Um, but before we do that, I wanted, before we sign off for the week, I did not ask Mike Weeby, our MLB insider, about Jacob deGrom and how he felt about his season. And so I feel remiss and upset that I forgot about my favorite pitcher. So let me go ahead and give him a shout out and honor him for his great season. Even though it was only a half a season that was cut short by injury, that half season was amazing. He was aiming for his third Cy Young the first half of the year, he was even challenging Bob Gibson's hollowed ERA record. And so it was just amazing. He ended the season with a 1.08 ERA, uh, a .55 whip, 13.25 strikeouts to walks for every one walk. That is crazy. 13 to 14 strikeouts per walk. He had a 4.3 War, which is wins above replacement, so above an average player, he would provide 4.3 more wins. His record was only 7-2, and two, but damn, that wasn't his fault. He never gets run support from our team, so it's always been that way. Anyways, he'll be back healthy next year, aiming for his third Cy Young again. Get healthy, Jake. Get healthy, uh, Thor. Get healthy, everyone. We will see you next year. Let's fucking go Mets. And now, see what Clubber D got to say for himself. Okay, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, Omar. Let, let's 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 pump the brakes for a second. Um, as I stated, I am the after the fact king. Second, when Wilder knocked him down twice in the fourth, you, your Buster Olney friend over there, Mister Redhead Potato Bread, the Weepster. Say what? Both you guys had hard-ons in your pants, okay? Because you thought the Clubber D was right for a change, all right? I'm never wrong. If I put out a a a, a prediction, remember. Hold that, hold that. First of all, you guys fly me out. I stay in lavish places. 
I only do first class because, you know, I'm a big dude. You know, I'm 6'2", and uh, 200 some pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. If you don't believe me, ask someone's mom or auntie. But, but this is the thing, okay? When I make my predictions, I'm right all the time in my head. It's not my problem. It doesn't happen in real life. That is why I'm the after the fact king, because I have a contingency plan if something goes awry. Maybe like the catcher. But anyways, speaking of catcher, not Posey, but Buster Olney want to be Mike Weeby. You need to relax there, sir, okay? You need to relax, okay? Don't bring heat to me. We all know that Clubber D is the man that has the great predictions, and I'm the after-the-fact king. I refuse to sit coach. Only time I'm next to coach is when I'm in somebody's mom's pocket bag and they're giving me money. Okay, so I'm not doing that. I'm flying first class or at least the exit row, okay? And look, the predictions, it is what it is. It happens, all right? But in my mind, I was right. And we all, we all saw round four when Wilder knocked him down twice. Everybody was doing backflips, okay? Big E e grabbed my shirt. I said, man, if you don't get off me and find a hairline, look here. I was almost right. I was close. I'm right on sometimes. But just it doesn't come to fruition sometimes. You know, it is what it is. And also, sitting nosebleed? Nosebleed? Are you kidding me? Do I look like Sting? Do I look like Darby Allen? Rest in peace, Owen Hart? No, I don't go up there. I don't do that. Nosebleed? How dare you? How dare you? You know what? Just because of that, y'all are off my Christmas list. I love y'all family Have a great fucking week We will see you next week Hope you have a blessed week I love ya Drop it O Ball and Bubs at MVPSMB.com Good googly moogly Ball and Bubs at MVPSMB.com On that note Thank you for tuning in, my friends. Make sure to support your boy. And as always, subscribe to stay updated and download all the new episodes. Make sure to share this on your social media and spread the word to all of your friends. We love your support here at the Ball and Buds Podcast. We hope you have an amazing week. Until next time, stay safe, take care of yourself, be kind to each other, and spread love the Omar way. Holla, five thousand.